Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. All right, goal achievers. Hey, it's Hal Elrod. And uh, I just got back from New York City last night. In fact, I was on the Today Show yesterday, which was a pretty monumental occasion for me. And uh, you may have seen the email that went out or some of the social media posts, but uh, it was pretty exciting. And when I did get the news, I was in San Diego. Uh, It was a couple months ago. I was on the book tour for The Miracle Equation. And I got an email from my publicist and said, Hal, we booked you on the Today Show, and at first I like I shout, I was like, yeah, I was so excited, and then I just started like crying. I was overwhelmed with emotion, and 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 I was kind of I, I go, why am I so emotional about this? And uh, other than the fact that I was excited, but I kind of realized I go, man, it was this like defining moment, if you will, of I don't know if that's the right word, defining moment, but it was the realization that like, wow. Like all that I've overcome and accomplished in my life, and you know, you've overcome and accomplished a lot in your life if you're listening to this, if you're a human being, right? And I went, gosh, now I'm being gifted the, and I really considered it a gift and a privilege, but gifted the biggest platform I've ever had to impact as many people as I could. And so, uh, yeah, so yesterday was the actual live show, and uh, it was five minutes. It was really quick, it went by fast. But uh, if you haven't seen it, you can go to todayshow.com and I, I'll be posting it. It's already all over the internet on my social media and stuff, but I'll be posting it more all my social channels in case you missed the interview. You can check out those five minutes and hopefully you'll get uh, get a lot of value from those. That is not the topic of today's podcast. We're not going to talk about the Today Show today, but we are going to have a conversation with uh, a gentleman who has uh, quickly become a friend of mine, somebody who I really respect and I'm learning to respect more and more and more as I'm learning more about uh, this gentleman. And uh, my guest today that I'm referring to is Mark Crandall. And if you don't know Mark, he is a licensed master social worker and licensed chemical dependency counselor. Mark's a keynote speaker, a clinical interventionist, and he's the author of Embrace Your Past, Win Your Future, a title that speaks, I think, to all of us. And last but not least, he is the host of not one, but two podcasts. And those two podcasts are Purpose Chasers. And the second podcast is Addiction Treatment 101. And Mark went from a lost young man with countless traumatic experiences to drug addiction prison and underlying undying self-hatred, that was where he was. And he went from that dark place or those dark places, I should say, to building multiple six-figure coaching practices and being a highly sought-after clinical interventionist. And Mark's also a member of the Quantum Leap Mastermind. It's the mastermind that John Berghoff and I run together with you know roughly 100 entrepreneurs that meet a couple times a year and go to the Best Year Ever event together. And I actually, that's where I first saw Mark kind of standing up and taking a stand for his fellow Quantum Leap Mastermind members. And he's just a power, he would just, you know, in the room, like call people out and just powerful intervention work, right? It was like Tony Robbins was in the room. I was like, damn, this guy's good. <laughs> you know. And uh, anyway, so it is truly my pleasure and honor. And uh, I'm excited to introduce Mark Crandall to you today and have a, uh, a really, what I would imagine is going to be a pretty powerful conversation that uh, you're going to take away a lot of value from. So Mark, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, my friend. 
Hal, thank you for having me here. I, I just want to start by stating that, you know, for those of you who are listening, this is this is full circle for me. So three and a half years ago when I launched out as an entrepreneur, like I teared up when you were reading my bio, Hal. Like it just like you are, are somebody that I have followed for the better part of six years now and watched you grow. And it's always been a bucket list item to even just have a conversation with you, let alone, you know, come on your podcast and and have you call me a friend like that. Thank you for having me, man. I'm just truly, truly blessed to be here. You got it. And I, you're, yeah, it, it's a lot of those feelings are mutual and you're your gratitude. Uh, I've experienced it in different capacities and you're, it's very authentic and it's one of my highest values. So, right. If somebody, if somebody wants to, you know, get in good with me, just express authentic gratitude. If you fake it, I can usually tell, but if it's real, uh, it means a lot to me and I, I appreciate it and I receive it. Mark, and um, it's, it, you know, um, I'm so, it makes me smile just ear to ear that, uh, that this was a bucket list item for you. And now I get to be a part of making one of your bucket list items come true. And the cool thing is, is it's a way that, um, you know, it's going to be in a way that is going to add a ton of value for everybody listening because I've heard your story. I've heard your message. I've seen you coach. You're a powerful human being. Let's go back to that dark time and walk us through how did you go from addicted to drugs and homeless to now an author, speaker, clinical interventionist, podcast host, so on and so forth? How did you go from that place to where you are now? So, uh, you know, for your audience that doesn't know me, I'm just going to give a Cliff's Notes version of like my childhood and the trauma and to get to, you know, answering the question that you just asked. So, you know, at three, I was taken by DCYF. Uh, My sister nearly drowned in a bathtub and my grandmother in which we were staying with at the time called uh, the department of youth and families and reported my mom for being neglectful. And so DCYF took my sister, placed her in foster care. And my mom, you know, essentially kidnapped me and took me to New York. And, you know, throughout my childhood, I, you know, was handcuffed and locked in a closet and burned with cigarettes. And I, all of that stuff happened. And then I was placed in foster care and I was just very lost and confused. And I tortured my adopted parents so badly because I was lost and confused. And, you know, it led to a petition being filed on me, which is a child in need of services. So essentially my adopted parents reached out to the state, said, we can't handle him. At the time, I was setting fires and you know being destructive of other people's property and you know assaulting others and was suspended from school a bunch and I was eleven, so I was placed in my first group home and yeah, I mean, I learned about drugs, sex, and rock and roll in the group mm-hmm. home from older peers, even though it was a setting in which I was to be rehabilitated, and I came out of there with what I believe to be a solution to what I was experiencing, which was a lot of confusion, sadness, and hatred. And, you know, coming out of the first group home, you know, I smoked marijuana for my first time, drank, drank alcohol to the point of, I drank before, but not to the point of, you know, experiencing the, I guess you could say the benefits of alcohol, like the buzz, like taking Mm -hmm. me out of my mind. Yeah. And to speed up a little, it escalated very, very quickly. And, you know, at 16 years old, it was the first time I had done heroin. And, you know, it was a result of my weed dealer uh, being out of weed and telling me they had something better. Hmm. You know, it was one of those things that I had 
myself and my friends had always talked about like not doing like we'd never do heroin that's bad yeah and there i was and you know that is really like a one-liner of my story is full of a lot of things that i at one time said i didn't want to do or didn't want to become speeded up 18 years old my mom caught me or my little brother caught me commando crawling in my mom's bedroom stealing 20 bucks from her wallet and she threw me out of the house after I assaulted my little brother and I was homeless. And, you know, throughout that period of time, there was some, you know, county jail incarcerations, got out of county jail for the second time. My adopted mother let me stay with her again. And it just, it just didn't let up, if you will. And, you know, I was arrested for uh, four burglaries and went and spent two years in prison. And to answer your question, even after being released from prison, I never talked like I was tough. Right. And because I knew deep down that I was just wasting my life. Like prison is nothing more than a waste of life. Like you're just wasting away. And I, you know, I used drugs the whole time I was in there. I was about how are you able to use for the average listener, including me? Um, what, how are you able to use drugs in prison? Are there, is just not hard to get them? Uh, it's not, there's a lot of prescription drugs. There's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of heroin. There's a lot of tobacco. There's, you know, hmm. you know, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of drugs it's just being passed around and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just being passed around. And I was on antidepressants in which I abused the whole time that I was in there. And I was two weeks away from being released to this drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. And I woke up one morning with, and just riddled with fear, like engulfed. It was, it was really an anxiety attack. I didn't have the label to put on it at that point. And I woke up and this thought came to me, like you're two weeks away from going to a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center, yet you can't even be sober in prison. And it was a reality that I, you know, made me swallow hard. And I'm like, this is accurate. And so I'm thinking about it. And of course, you don't want to show too much emotion in there because the individuals that are in there prey off of weaker, what appears vulnerability. to be sure. yeah, vulnerability. And so I walked to the chow hall that morning and this thought came over me of go to the one place in the library that you've never been. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So I went and I go eat my crappy toast and my hard boiled eggs and I'm walking back and I'm still thinking about this. And I just remember shooting up what I know today to be a prayer. But at the time I, had, I was just like, what if there's something out there? Like, will you give me an answer? And I'm dying inside the whole time I'm in prison. I'm like the self-hatred is just, it's just, I hate myself. I hate what I've become. Now, are you about 20 years old at this time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm 20. And you know, my whole life I had, been on a mission to not be like my biological father. And here I was worse off than he had ever become. Hmm. And, and so I fire this prayer off. I'm like, if there's something out there, just throw me a bone. Basically is what I said. Just throw me a bone. Like if you're trying to tell me something, I'm not seeing it. I'm not hearing it. Like just throw me, like I was looking for a layup, like, Hey God, throw me a layup, please. Yeah. And you know, I, we went back to the unit to do chores. The yard opened up about an hour and a half later and I walked to the library. And as I walked in the library, I stood there confused and the librarian's probably looking at me like this kid's suspect, like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and I'm looking around the library. What's the one place I've never been. And 
I mean, I, I bet you could probably guess it, Hal. It was the spirituality religious section of the library. I had never gone there. Okay. It was the one section of the library where there were no cameras. And that's where all the narcotics in the prison got exchanged, ironically enough as well. And so I walked back there and I looked and I'm looking and there's all these religious books and Tony Robbins was there. They didn't have Miracle Morning. They should have. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I would have picked it up. I was just too broken to even even see. But there was one book on display and it was, I remember it as clear as yesterday. It was a man who was in an orange and red robe and he had glasses on, shaved head. Dalai Lama? Yeah, it was the Dalai Lama. And I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that. All I saw in this book was this man's smile and he had a smile bigger than I'd ever seen. And I know I'd seen smiles before, but I had not seen them. And I picked this book up and I went back to the unit and I read half of it that day. And that night after taking my sleeping medication, I'd wrapped a towel around my head and attempted to meditate. Hmm. And I read the rest of the book the next day and I started meditating and I got some relief. And that's really where the journey started for me. Wow. It's a long answer to get. Oh, I mean, your story is fascinating and it's gripping. I, so you started, you meditated, you kind of, that was your first foray into the spiritual realm, the personal development realm. How long after that did you get out of prison? And what were, I'd, I'd love to kind of continue the story. What were the first moves you made after you left prison and were they positive or did you fall backwards a little bit? Like what, what, what did that look like? So I got released two weeks after grabbing this book by the Dalai Lama and consuming it. And I went to this rehabilitation center and I was doing everything that they were prescribing there. I was going to the groups. I was doing all of this stuff. And, you know, I was participating in the 12 step fellowship that they mandated that we do. And I would go to church and I would get some relief while I was there. And then when I would go home, I didn't understand how all of these other individuals that I was attending church with were like wanting to live because I was going home with suicidal ideation hmm. and just these limiting beliefs and self-judgment that were just crippling me and then getting up the next day and pretending like everything was okay. And I'm about 11 months into this treatment center and I stumble across the book and it was Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Hmm. And I started reading this book and hearing his story. And as I was reading this book, I thought about another series of books that my mom sent me the first time that I was incarcerated. And it was, she sent me a book called A Child Called It by David Peltzer. And I remember, I'm like getting goosebumps as I'm sharing this. And I remember reading that book and thinking in county jail at 18 years old, I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to speak to people and share my story and a message of hope with them and, and use all of the trials and tribulations that I went through in life to kind of hold a mirror up to other individuals to show them like, it doesn't matter where you come from, you can achieve anything. Hmm. And all of this was coming up and, and I get released from there and I get my own apartment and I'm meditating and I read some more of Tony Robbins work and I'm doing all of this stuff to gain insight, to gain clarity on what my path is. I don't know that's what I'm doing. I'm just seeking, right? That's what we do is we seek. And when the, you know, the next teacher appears, the next teacher appears and we learn from them and we grow. And I was painting and drywalling at the time because that's all I thought I was ever going to be able to do due to my criminal convictions and you know my past. 
in, I was living in New Hampshire and in New Hampshire, when the snow flies, work dries up. And so the individuals that get work are those that own the company. So I'm out of work. I'm doing my morning meditation one day and I started crying. Like I'm, I'm literally I'm thinking about ending my life. I'm like, what? There has to be something more. And I'm in, you know, I'm in recovery and I'm like praying and meditating and helping a ton of people and just I'm broken inside and I'm tired of pretending that I'm that I'm broken inside. Like I don't understand why I can't just tell people I'm hurting. Hmm. And I'm in meditation and I get this thought, go to school. I'm like, well, what does that mean? So I'm gonna go to school for business in my mind and I'm gonna launch this painting and drywall company and hmm. all is gonna be well. And I don't know anything about entrepreneurship at this time. I thought you just started a company and work came in and you know, all will be well. I had no clue. And are you still, are you now, again, I'm trying to track age-wise, you 21, 22 now? Yeah, I'm 20, no, I'm 23 at this okay. point. Got it. And you've, been, and you've been doing, your income has been coming from painting and drywall. Yeah. And I didn't know how to save because I wasn't taught that. You sure. Know, I just didn't know any basic responsibilities of how to live as a productive member of society. So I'm trying to figure all this out. And so I go to the number one resource that we have in this day and age, the Google, and I Googled in, uh, go to school. <laughs> That's literally what I put in the search. <laughs> and, and a bunch of colleges came up, some high schools came up, and I decided that I wanted to go online because I didn't think I was intelligent. If I proved to not be intelligent, I didn't want to have to see people. And of course, I didn't know this at the time. That's what I was doing. But I didn't want to see people and, and have them laugh. And so I get on a call, first enrollment counselor, you know, she says, what do you want to go to school for? And psychology comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, what? I want to go for business. So I'm like, okay, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, uh, I'm going to do. And I start going to school and I'm maintaining a 4.0 and I'm still obsessed with this personal development world. And I don't even know that it is really, really a thing. And it just took off. And I, and I got a job interview from the first man that I asked to mentor me. He got me a job interview and I nailed the interview and started working with runaway and homeless youth and providing in-home therapy for court-ordered youth and families. And I really, really loved it. But it wasn't, it wasn't enough. Here's the point of my life, that which I'm going to give you a plug. Because at this point of my life, I was introduced to the Miracle Morning. And in recovery... We are educated and taught to do a very, very similar form, just without all six. And so my practice at the time had become very, very dry and stagnant. Jesse, I'm going to give Jesse a shout out. Jesse introduced me to the Miracle Morning and I Jesse started... Harless. Yeah, Jesse Harless. I started doing this visualization practice. And as I was doing this visualization practice, I started to visualize what it would look like to be employed by the state of New Hampshire. And you have to imagine the limiting beliefs that were coming up for you know an individual with four felonies on his record to be working for the state of New Hampshire. And I wanted to work at the youth detention center. And it just like I'm visualizing it and all these fears and limiting beliefs were cropping up and like, you'll never do that. Like, don't even apply, save yourself the embarrassment. And so, but I'd been practicing this visualization of what it's going to feel like what people are going to think of me, like all just really getting into it, what it's going to smell like, the taste of the food at the chow hall when I'm eating with the youth and like, I'm really getting fired up on this interview, just talking about it. And I'm like, really, really in it. And I go to my mentor and I say, Hey, I'm going to apply to work at the youth detention center. 
He's like, you're never going to get a job there. And I was like, I understand that, but I've been telling myself I can't do things my whole life. And, you know, I'm using, I'm quoting your book and, and I'm like, I've been visualizing this. And he's like, yeah, great, dude. You can visualize all you want. You have four felonies on your record. It's not going to happen. So, and so this is like, this moment is the moment that I just started chasing this life with the desperation of somebody who who just had nothing to lose, which I really don't, right? None of us do. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. I applied. I'm a really skilled writer. So I wrote up this amazing cover letter and I sent it with my resume. I didn't tell him I was a felon. I applied. I got an interview. I crushed the interview. Hmm. I know what it smells like in there. I know what the food tastes like. I already like role-played scenarios of me de-escalating youth in the detention center. You know, like I'm there. Like I'm, I've already lived it. I've, I've already worked there in my mind because of this practice. And they invite me back for a second interview. I nailed the second interview. And the conversation comes up and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, after they made me an offer for the job, I said, I just want to let you know, I have four felonies on my record. And they're like, okay, yeah, no problem. Hmm. Wow. Okay. He's like, we just got to, you know, we got to cross the T's and, and dot the I's. Sure. But you have this job. I get hired all as well. The Union Leader, which is a newspaper in New Hampshire, which is not a big area, but it's the biggest paper in New Hampshire, reaches out. They want to write an article. I was guided to not to engage in this interview because it would be better off for the detention center. And I don't. About a month and a half goes by. And my mentor said to me, he's like, if they call the facility on Friday, know that they're about to print the article on Sunday, which I think everyone who's familiar with newspapers knows is like the biggest day for news, right? Because everyone buys on Sunday. And so they called on Friday. I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to talk. They printed an article and the headline was convicted burglar counsels youth. Wow. And it released Saturday night and I read it and I went in the living room to tell my wife and I said they, you know, they printed it and she's like, you know, what does it say? And I was like, well, it's, it's okay. They could have done a really, they could have done just a, a way better job of highlighting my attributes Yeah, and how I'm like talking tough on this interview, but I was terrified. So Sunday morning rolls around. I go get the paper. I'm reading it in my car in the parking lot of the store and I just started crying. And, and I remember I'm tearing up now, but I like, I remember looking up to the sky and saying, thank you, God, thank you for using me. Hmm. And in that moment, I realized that every dark thing from my past didn't happen to me. It happened for me so that I could show other individuals the power of this life that you and I live, right? The power of personal development work, the power of going within and doing introspective work to overcome limiting beliefs so that you can achieve what it is that you want to achieve. And in that moment, my life changed. Yeah. I I resonate with so much of what you're saying. And I, you know, I think for all of us, right, our adversity always holds within it the seed uh, of an advantage, right? And, and that there's always something to learn to, to grow. And, uh, and you're, you're just, you're a living example of that. Um, I also think that you're, you know, Mark, I love that you're 
not only a living example of finding the advantage in your adversity, if you will, but actually having that spirit of service. I think, you know, Martin Luther King, I think, was the one that said, uh, we can all be great because we can all serve others. And to serve others is to be great. And I'm paraphrasing. But, uh, you know, for, yeah, so I, I, uh, I honor you for, for doing that, actively doing that. And I think for all of us, um, how can you leverage your past to serve others? And that's, you know, the title of your book, right? Embrace your past, win your future, I think is sums that up really well. So how do you go from, from closing the gap here, from uh, working in the youth detention center to now coaching? Uh, and who do you coach primarily? Do you coach entrepreneurs? Do you coach addicts? Do you, is it both? Who are the type of people that you help from your coaching? Addicts are my, like, those in recovery are my passion. Sure. You know, my passion project, if you will. I love empowering individuals in recovery to achieve what it is that they want to achieve in this life. I happen to have, you know, currently three business consulting clients because I've learned that I've, you know, following individuals like you, I've become very skilled at, you know, entrepreneurship. My real calling in this life is conducting clinical interventions, is which I, you know, I show up to families and navigate the family dynamic to find out all of the loopholes, if you will, in the behavior patterns to intervene on those that are currently addicted. Okay. So how, you know, it was a, lo- a real loaded question. And I like the skill in which you, you asked that question. It's, I just started, you know, from that moment in the car, I just started, my New England just came out when I said car. Uh, I just started. <laughs> yeah, the car. I just realized, you know, that nothing was out of reach. Nothing was unachievable. When I believed that nothing was out of reach and nothing was unachievable. So what do you think holds people back from, you know, this is the Achieve Your Goals podcast. What do you think holds people back from achieving their goals? I think that people, you know, it's, is it a lack of motivation? Is it a lack of clarity? What do you think is, if you were to sum it up in, you know, the biggest thing or the, you know, the top three things, what holds people back from achieving what their goals and whether their goal, you know, that might be a, an aspirational goal, like, you know, making a million dollars, or it might be a goal, like, you know, if you're an addict, right, it's to overcome that addiction. You know, they say that, right, the, uh, what is, what's that adage that the wealthy man, or the, I'm messing it up. But basically, it's like, you know, if you, if you don't have your health, then your only goal is having your health, right? Nothing else matters. So point being, whatever someone's goal is, whether it's aspirational to achieve something or they're trying to overcome something that's causing them pain, what do you think uh, holds people back from that? Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of noise out there, Hal, around, which I know you have experienced, but there's a lot of noise around motivation and individuals lacking motivation. Sure. And my experience with this personally in coaching and practicing therapy with countless individuals is that no one really truly lacks motivation. The individuals that tell me that they lack motivation start 15 things and finish none. So if you lacked motivation, if I lacked motivation, would I start 15 things? No. What I've found is that what individuals actually lack is the belief in themselves to fulfill on the things that they're out to create in life. And so give you an example in writing this book, right? If I started writing the book and then my mind said, no one's going to buy it. And then I stopped. Do I lack motivation? No, I lack the belief in myself. And I believe that the, the biggest thing that an individual can do is introspective work, right? Going within. 
Like you can go attend, like you can join QLM, you can come to the best year ever, and there's going to be opportunities for you to go within. But most people are looking outside of themselves for answers. When my experience is all of my strength and guidance has come from others' words and then taking those words and going within. So the more work I do on my self-confidence, my belief in myself, the greater output I have in this life. Does that make sense? Well, it does. And, you know, John Berghoff and I were talking about this the other day with best year ever. And, you know, we're talking about next year, renaming the event to the Miracle Life Live. And the, you know, John and I were talking and he, you know, he said, Hal, what is your vision for the Miracle Life? And, you know, I said, it's loving yourself as you are, seeing yourself as you can be, creating the most extraordinary life that you can imagine, everything you want for your life, and, and then helping others do the same. And he just pointed out, he goes, Hal, that, that's beautiful. He said, that's already what we do. I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, that's what, you know, best year ever. He said, that's what, and, and to your point, it's the introspective, it's the, it's the internal work, right? If you've been to best year ever, you know, right? It's, it, it's all about looking within and identifying what are your strengths? What are your deepest desires? What are your, the greatest sense of meaning that you have in your life? And really just aligning all of the inner world that is you and then and getting really clear on what that is, what your values are, what your what your purpose is, uh, and then lining up your schedule and your actions and your goals so they're in alignment with your highest truth, right? And so I, I love that you said that because I I mean it's it's very much in alignment with with how you know how I think and, and how I try to work with people is and, and how you work with people, right? Starting on the inside and then moving out. Mark, how do you set up your day? And, and obviously, I'm not, I'm not just trying to tee up a plug for Miracle Morning. I'm sure that's part of it. <laughs> but how do you set up your day to, to take consistent actions that will produce the results that you want, right? And, 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 I'm, you know, and I, I guess that would be kind of a, a multifaceted question in terms of, are there things that you do to facilitate the introspective work? And then are there things that you do to facilitate the actions, activities that will actually create those tangible results? So it's kind of like the, what do you do daily? How do you set your schedule up to optimize your inner world? And how do you set your schedule up to optimize your outer world? Because I'm a big believer, if you want to change your life, you got to change your schedule. Totally. And you have revolutionized my life. And I do want to give you a plug and the Miracle Morning gets all the plugs. (laughs) So it started with scribing. And I would, you know, I originally started journaling and I would journal these thoughts. And then what it turned into, what I found was I shifted and don't be militant with your miracle morning. If I can give any, you know, plugs out there I think the reason why people stop these practices is because they come, they become militant and they think that, you know, I think that my miracle morning needs to look exactly like house. And that's just not. I know that's not why you shared this with the world, how I started with scribing and my scribing looked like a process of clearing my head for the day. And so my scribing looks like creating a task list of all of the things that I have on my calendar and all of the things that I'm out to achieve. And in my task list, I have an on hold section. So those are things that I want to achieve that are not taking priority today. And then I also have a gratitude section where I write out five new things I'm grateful for every day. And, you know, I would love to tell you that I'm super, super successful at this, but I fall off. You know, I have days where I'm like, I don't, and I do it every day. Don't get me wrong. It's just become a practice of mine, but I have days that I don't finish everything. And then they just, I don't judge myself. It just carries over to the next day. And, you know, I had a moment recently in which we had, 
my son in which when I heard him cry in the hospital, how everything in life changed and actually something that you said at QLM really came into the forefront of my mind. You were talking about speaking and how you either get paid full price or you do it for free and you only do so many free talks a year. And I started to really, really think about what was important and what was priority in my business. And I've actually cut out a lot of things that I was doing that are taking away time from my family that were not priority in my business. And so I use the scribing to... Can you give an example? Sorry to cut you off, but an example of some of the things that you cut off so people have a real tangible, like, you know, something they can, they can uh, relate to? Yeah, I'm actually uh, currently not uh, taking on coaching clients. And the vetting process that I've put in place to take on coaching clients is insured. And I'm stating I'm not taking them on, but if the right individuals came into my life, I would take them on. But I was taking on everyone and anyone just to empower and have impact. And so what it was looking like is I was getting on calls with a lot of individuals that weren't ready to take action. So I've created some systems to kind of sift through the individuals to make sure that the ones that make it through are ready to go. I've also, you know, I put Purpose Chasers podcast on hold. Season one is concluded. Season two is actually going to launch to be announced with your episode number one. So like just really, really taking a look at what I'm doing, where I'm going and getting clear on what's taking away from, you know, time from my family. And, you know, I know it wasn't the, you sharing that wasn't in context with what I'm sharing, but that's, I internalized it. I took that into my meditation and I'm not at the place where it's like, you know, I'm getting hit up by 50,000 people to go speak. You know, I'm, I'm, you're a couple levels ahead of me, but you're not that far, right? So it's like, I need to be prepared for when I get there so that I can protect the time that I have with my family. Because to me, time is the only thing that we can't give back. And to be a meaningful father, to me, it means that I spend time. And I'm just, again, I want to give a gratitude plug for you know having you in my life and getting to watch you navigate and see the time that you devote to your family because it's revolutionized my life. Yeah, I well, I appreciate that. And I have it's something that I've learned modeling other people and going too far the other way of being a workaholic, you know. And the one thing that I realize and you hear it, oh, the point is, yeah, modeling other people, you know, Pat Flynn has been a great example for me of someone who, you know, said, if I get asked to do anything that takes me away from my family too long, it's a really easy no because that is the number one priority. You know, you realize that we're going to be in business and we're going to be working and we're going to, you know, we're going to be changing the world for the rest of our lives. But my daughter is nine. And that means for not roughly nine more years, I can hang out with her and I can spend time with her. And my son is six. So I got about, you know, 12 more years with him, uh, but that's going to go by. And we hear it, right? From those that are older and wiser than us and have hindsight and they go, dude, it goes by fast. And uh, I think too much of us we hear other people, you know, we go, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Like, well, I'll focus on, you know, like I, I, I got to build a business. I got to work. And you know, you're John Broman opened my eyes to that. He said, your kids aren't gonna remember how many mortgage payments you paid, you know, at the, at the end of your life or the end of theirs, they're going to remember how much time you spent with them quality time. And yeah. So that keeping family number one and congrats, by the way, on being a new dad. I mean, how many months ago uh, was your son born? 
Oh, he is at the time of this recording, five weeks old today. Wow, five weeks, man. That's exciting. Proud of you, dude. You've come a long, long, long way, Mark. And uh yeah, I'm proud of you and just so privileged to know you and grateful that you're out there paying it forward and uh taking your life experience and, and helping other people with it. Yeah, I'm he is changed my life in ways that I didn't even know possible. Everyone said everything's gonna change yeah. when when you have a child and you don't I guess you don't really know what that means until you experience it. And, you know, it changed my life for all, like everything's positive. Like I don't see any negatives with, you know, him coming in. Even when I get frustrated that I can't get this done or I can't get that done, or it's like, it's not that I can't get it done or I'm not getting it done. It's just, I, that's not the time, right? It's going to get done. I always get stuff done, but I just need to be present and, experience this and it's such a blessing and it's come full circle for me on all of my limiting beliefs around you know not having the father that the story creates and being the father that i didn't know that i was going to be beautiful man it's beautiful what, what's the uh let's wrap this up with uh, just the best place to follow you I, by, by the way your book uh for anybody listening you can go check out uh, mark crandall's book embrace your past win your future mark is amazon the best place to to find that yeah, Amazon and you know, it's on Audible and I had a really really skilled voice read my, narrate my book. So, is that you? No, Rob oh. did it. <laughs> Rob Dial? Rob Actis. I mean, Rob, sorry, Rob Actis. Yeah, you guys, that so that's the voice of the Miracle Morning book series. Rob Actis did your book. That's that's rad. Uh he's got yeah, he's got a powerful powerful voice. And what's the best way to for people to follow, learn from you, connect with you? What's the best way to do that? markcrandall.net is where everything is housed so anything Art. about me the book some videos that i've done my podcast everything is housed at markcrandall.net all right and i'll spell that out for everybody m a r k c r a n d a l l double l markcrandall.com well mark i appreciate you man thank you for coming .net. on the podcast today .net sorry .net mark crandall with two l's dot net but yeah mark thanks for coming on today man i uh this was i you know i i knew your story but but hearing it in this context and this platform was was really powerful thank you for sharing thank you so much for having me on hal i'm i'm just truly blessed to have you in my life and look forward to continuing to head down the path that you've paved you got it brother and i'm looking at the gift you gave me that beautiful hand carved laser etched uh, ginormous miracle equation book cover uh so thank you for that dude that was a really cool gift that's my pleasure, man. That's the least I could do for what you've done for my life. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. Well, goal achievers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I love and appreciate you more than you know. A lot of exciting stuff coming soon. The Miracle Life podcast being one of those things. I believe we're going to be changing the name and slightly the format. And when I say changing, uh, I mean upgrading. Of course, we're not going to change it unless I feel strongly that we can add even more value for you as a listener. So for now, thank you for being a goal achiever. And uh, I don't know what we're going to... Miracle lifer, I guess. I don't know. We'll figure out what the, uh, what the new <laughs> term is going to be. But uh, I love you. I appreciate you. I will talk to you all next week. Take care, buddy. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.